Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here. And a little everybody that's here is here. And uh, that's a good thing. And uh, it's a very, very busy time of the year. But uh, to start with, I just wanted to uh, uh, thank everyone that was able to be here for their Christmas Eve service. Uh, we had a wonderful, a wonderful time and uh, a lot of good singing and uh, it's just a real joy to be here and uh, so uh, the uh, next announcement is that uh, the uh, we're planning on having the uh, older youth group uh, get together after church uh, next Sunday we were planning on on stacking wood for Herman Donna uh, but things with <laughs> things have kind of gotten a little crazy the last uh, the last few weeks and uh, so we are planning on doing that, having pizza, and and then uh, the uh, older youth group uh, stacking wood at uh, Herman Donna's after church next Sunday. Next week, oh, somebody help me. Six to twelve. Six to twelve. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and. Uh, we want it to, uh, and the other thing is, uh, speaking of things getting kind of crazy, I want to just uh, at this point in time just uh, thank everyone that prayed for Kathy and I. Uh, I don't know, we were, <laughs> Kathy was very, very sick. We both had COVID, and Kathy was so sick. And uh, so if anybody is curious, uh, COVID is really real. And, uh, and I have never actually seen anyone uh, so sick in my life. And, and honestly, I don't think I've ever prayed quite so hard either. And uh, so let us, uh, in reference to the uh, here, social distancing is not easy but necessary. So please, let's continue to do that um, because it, uh, like I said, Kathy was really, really sick and, uh, and it was very scary. And uh, so we thank you for your prayers uh, on that. I uh, just want to thank everybody for the, all the work that's being done on the, uh, the addition, and we're getting down to having the floors done, and we're planning on uh, getting a variety of colors, as I said here in my notes, uh, colors and textures uh, for the, the floors out there, and hopefully soon we'll be able to get together and vote on that and discuss it, but uh, with so many people being sick, including myself, uh, it's been kind of kind of tricky and kind of slowed things down. Um, uh, the uh, I think the last announcement that I'd like to make is that uh, we I think we made an announcement a couple weeks ago uh, that Christ the King has been um, <laughs> uh, well thrown out of there. Uh, well, we won't say thrown out, but uh, there's been a lot of conflict uh, as far as. Uh, basically ever since uh, Christ the King has been meeting in Belfast uh, about the comings and goings and uh, a lot of people have complained and, uh, and so it's been suggested that they maybe not meet there anymore and so we are, uh, the leadership has been in conversations uh, about having them meet here at our church uh, at a different time after church, and we're still kind of working through the details, um, but the leadership has been discussing it, and as soon as we kind of 
nail down what we think is a good plan, uh, we'll, we'll have a business meeting to discuss that. And if anybody has any questions about that, uh, please see one of the deacons uh, or one of the trustees. And like I said, it's all kind of, kind of all loose right now as far as what the plan is, but would like to be able to um, as the uh, initially the sending church for Christ the King would like to be able to help them out uh, if possible. So please be in prayer for that, um, that we would do the right thing and that, uh, and that it would work out for both, uh, for both parties. Uh, any other announcements this morning that need to be made? All right. Uh, well, uh, if not, yeah. Okay. All right. We will. We will uh, do that. If you could put a uh, a little uh, note in the in the uh, offering plate, we will we will pray for him later. Uh, all right. Uh, Miranda and Ian, would you mind coming up here for a second? Yeah. You would. <laughs> okay. Let me rephrase that. Would you please come up here for a second? <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> better terminology. Uh, I just wanted to uh, have uh, Miranda and Ian, uh, or Ian and Miranda, uh, come up this morning, and we're just so thankful for their uh, how they've uh, come in and and uh, and are doing a really good job. And we kind of uh, the deacons kind of uh, fell asleep at the switch for pastor appreciation. Uh, so we have a uh, what's that? It's been a crazy year for sure. So uh, we just have a, a, a little Christmas present for uh, for past uh, a, a Christmas present and a present for uh, pastor appreciation uh, as well. So just want to say thank you for all of your hard work and uh, and uh, in the coming years. And so thank you. thank you. We appreciate it. you. Have anything to thank say? You. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not very good at the details sometimes it's just um, fairly evident quite often uh, all right well let's uh, let's open with a word of prayer our dear Lord and Heavenly Father we thank you this morning for the opportunity that we have to be here in your house and we realize that that around us uh, in this world things are crazy and and uh, with the COVID and um, the politics, um, our country is turning away from you, and uh, we are becoming more and more and more of a minority. We pray that you would just watch over us as we go from day to day, and that you would uh, help us to uh, serve you in any way that we can, that you would be that you would be on the top of, in our in our minds, day in and day out, and that uh, and that we are not here on this earth to serve ourselves, but we are here to serve you, and to see people coming into the kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful in, to you, and how we use our time and what we use our time for, 
and that uh, we might see people coming to know you and, and new people uh, in church, and that the addition that you have allowed us to build uh, would be able to be finished and that we would be able to use that for your honor and your glory and that people might come to know you through it. And we thank you for each person that is here this morning and, and those that are not here and whether they have other uh, obligations or whether they're not feeling well or whatever the situation is, we pray that you would uh, uh, be watching over them this morning and that you would bring them back to us soon. We pray that you would uh, just guide this service that everything that is said and done would be honoring to you and that your Holy Spirit will be giving Ian the words to speak this morning uh, and that uh, we would hear your word and your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Our scripture reading this morning uh, is, is going to be Psalm 148 as opposed to 85. If you'd like to turn and follow along with me, that would be fine. Psalm 148, and the first verse says, Praise the Lord, and I concur. Praise the Lord. Psalm 148. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up his people a horn, a praise of all his saints of Israel, his saints of Israel, there we go, sorry. The people close to his heart. Praise the Lord, and I concur with that. Praise the Lord. Uh, as we look around us every day, we see the beauty of his creation and the, and the powerful uh, snowstorms and the rain and the wind, and we know that, um, that God is in all of that. And so we're just thankful for his power and uh, his might and how he, he hears each one of us little people here on this earth. Amen. Well, let's start this morning with hymn number 270, Joy to the World, and let's stand and sing all four verses. 270. 
Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. men their songs employ while fields and floods rocks hills and plains repeat the sounding joy repeat the sounding joy repeat repeat the sounding joy no more let sin and sorrow nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his love amen Boy, I like this mic. <laughs> Let's turn to number 292. Let's sing one, three, and five. One, three, and five. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home there was found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. Number three. The foxes found rest and the birds their nest in the shade of the forest tree. But thy couch was the sod, O thou Son of God, in the deserts of Galilee. O come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for when the heavens shall ring and the angels sing at thy coming to victory, let thy voice call me home, saying, Yet there is room 
there is room at my side for thee. My heart shall rejoice, Lord Jesus, when thou comest and calleth for me. You may be seated. Thank you. This, uh, <clears throat> this year, as I had already said, has been uh, full of many ups and downs and curves. And, uh, but through it all, God is good. And he has, uh, he has continued to bless each one of us. And I'm just so thankful for how he has, even through our difficulties, he has continued to bless us. And, and I'm just so thankful for that. And so... Would the ushers now come forward for the morning offering, please? seated. Thank you. Just as soon as you've been seated, let's stand together. <laughs> we'll sing all glory be to Christ.
Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise the house in vain, its builders strive to you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me what is your life? A mist that vanishes at dawn, all glory be to Christ. All glory be to Christ our King. All glory be to Christ. His rule and reign will ever sing. All glory be to Christ. His will be done, His kingdom come on earth as is above, who is himself our daily bread. Praise him, the Lord of love. Let living water satisfy the thirsty without price. We'll take a cup of kindness yet all glory be to Christ. All glory be to Christ our King. All glory be to Christ. His rule and reign we'll ever sing. All glory be to Christ. When on that day the great I am, the faithful and the true, the Lamb who was for sinners slain is making all things new. Behold, our God shall live with us and be our steadfast light and we shall there his people be all glory be to Christ all glory be to Christ our King all glory be to Christ his rule and reign will ever sing all glory be to Christ all glory be to Christ our King all glory be to Christ his rule and reign will ever sing all glory be to Christ amen you may be seated Good morning. It's good to see you here. I heard of 
few churches around not having services today just because it's the Sunday after Christmas. But, uh, but we're here. I'm so glad to see you. So glad to be with you here on the Lord's Day. It is a busy time of year, but it's, uh, it's always good to gather with God's people. Um, I wanted to, to give kind of a blanket thank you to everyone for all your gifts and cards this holiday season, Marin, and I really appreciate it. So thank you. And uh, I want to mention as well, there's still a, a book table out back, free books, free for the taking, if any of them pique your interest. So take, take a look at those before you go today. I'll probably take that table down this week. So this is your last chance. Got a couple of prayer requests here in the offering. Any, uh, any other prayer requests we want to bring before the Lord this morning? Yeah, Herm and Donna, I need to mention, Donna texted me, um, the, uh, the RN is coming over this morning to set them up with their services, so that's why they're not, why Donna's not here this morning, and she said that they, uh, I'll just quote her, we love you all and appreciate your prayers, so continue to be in prayer for, for Herm and for Donna. As far as I see on Facebook, he's still with his sister. He celebrated uh, his daughter, I believe. His daughter. Um, and celebrated Christmas with them. So, yeah, I haven't spoken to him recently. I don't know if anyone has. I'm looking towards the back of the room. No, okay. As far as I know, Steve's, Steve's doing well, continuing to improve. Maureen. Mm. The Mancini family needs hay for their animals. Don't have enough. We'll pray for them. Dottie. I'm a fire chief, so glad to be down mm. Pray for Bill Gillespie, faithful, faithful fire chief, struggling with a lot. Um, due to go, does he have a? Is, is that a for sure thing, or are they just looking at? No, okay. Okay. So they're gonna fuse his fuse his neck. Okay. Okay. We'll pray for him. Yes, Sharon and Lester. Lester as he continues to recover. Okay, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we worship and we praise you because you are our God, our Father, and our King. 
Every day we will praise you forever and ever. Great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Your greatness is unsearchable, Father. We could never reach the bottom. You're gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We praise you because you're good to all and your mercy is over all that you've made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. And yet, Father, as we come into your presence, we acknowledge that we, we have sinned. We know our transgressions. Our sin is before us. We acknowledge that against you, you only, have we sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that if you were to condemn us, you would be just and right. We acknowledge, Father, that like, um, like all who've come before us, that we've been sinners from birth. We ask that you'd have mercy on us according to your steadfast love according to your abundant mercy that you'd blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our sins. We take a moment now to con silently confess our sins unto you, O God. We confess our sins clearly, Lord, and we also ask forgiveness boldly because though we know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we know too that all those who come to your son Jesus in true faith are justified by your grace as a gift. We lean into that promise this morning. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you for the confidence that Apostle Paul expresses in Romans 8 where he says, who is to condemn us if we are in, in you? Jesus, you are the one who died and were raised for us and even now you're seated at the right hand of the Father. We, we trust, Lord, that though our sins are many, your mercy is more. And we ask that as we come to you in prayer this morning that you would banish every doubt and fear. Assure us, Lord, of our forgiveness in Christ and our adoption into your family. We come to you, Lord, with, um, with a number of prayers and petitions this morning. We, we thank you, first of all, for the way that you've sustained us through this year. And 2020 has been a, a year. And we're, we're thankful now at the end of it to to affirm as we did at the beginning of it your faithfulness and your loving kindness the way you sustain your people and we praise you we thank you for the kindness that you've shown to us in even amidst difficulty and sickness and pain Lord we pray for the the Mancini family who needs hay for their animals we pray that you'd provide provide for them uh, that uh that you provide hay from, from somewhere, that uh, that would be a miraculous provision from you, and uh, they'd give praise to you for it. We thank you for Bill Gillespie. We thank you for the faithfulness of all those who are in our fire department, and uh, what a community-minded community we have, and we, we thank you for that. Pray for Bill Gillespie in particular. Pray that you'd uh, continue to sustain him uh, 
as he looks towards having an, an operation in the coming weeks and months to, to fuse his spine. And we pray that you'd sustain him in the pain that he's in until then and that uh, the surgery would go smoothly. And um, Going forward as he adjusts to a new way of life, we pray that you'd, um, you'd be with him. We thank you for his, uh, his heart, for his community, and his heart for the Lord. Pray that you'd be with Sharon and Lester Turner, with Lester in particular. Continue to help him to recover. Be with Sharon as she cares for him. We pray the same blessing over uh, Steve, Long, um, uh, Steve Wadsworth. And uh, just pray that you'd be with him. You continue to sustain him physically as he continues to recover. Bring him home soon. And uh, we pray that you'd uh, help and sustain his daughter and her family as they care for him as well. Pray for Andrea Littlefield. Pray that you'd sustain her physically, mentally, spiritually. That you'd draw, continually draw her close to yourself, Father. And Lord, we pray for Roxanne and Ronnie, Beth's parents. And uh, we continue to pray your blessing over their health as they struggle. Pray that you'd be with Beth sustain her, uh, be her strong tower, um, be her might, uphold her in your right hand as she cares for her parents. And pray for her parents too, that uh, uh, you'd be at work in their hearts, in their spirit, that they would come to know you, Father. We pray uh, that you'd sustain them physically, that you'd keep them well. Pray for all those who have COVID, Lord. Um, pray for Maureen's friend who has COVID. Pray too for Thomas Marple. He has COVID, but he's on the mend. Um, pray that uh, uh, you'd restore him. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness uh, to those in our congregation who've had COVID. We're, we're overjoyed to see Kevin and Kathy back with us, and we thank you, Lord, for sustaining them through a, uh, a, a, a dark night. We thank you for your kindness to that family. Pray that you continue to sustain them and uh, sustain Kevin and, and Kathy as well. Father, you're so good for us, good to us, and good for us as well. We, we praise you, we thank you for all your kindness to us. We pray that you continue to sustain this congregation Give us joy, Father, in you. Pray that this new year would be a year of joy for us as a congregation. We'd rejoice, first of all, in all that you've done for us, Jesus. We'd also have new reasons to rejoice in this coming year as you continue to work in this congregation as you have been. We look forward to all the ways that you, you'll be working. We, we trust you and your plan and uh, we're anxious to be a part of it. So we ask that you'd reveal to us the ways that you would have us participating with you in this coming year. Continue to hold us together as a congregation. Be with all those who are, are sick, all those who mourn. We ask, Lord, that you'd be with Herman Donna. Uh, Lord, we thank you for all the time they were able to have with their family this past week. Thank you for bringing Herm um, out of the hospital when Donna wasn't sure he would. They weren't even sure he was going to make the night this past week. And we, we praise you. We thank you that he's home. And uh, pray that uh, he'd be able to stay there, not have to go back into the hospital with all the COVID restrictions. And uh, 
pray your blessing over that meeting with the RN this morning, uh, that uh, they'd have all the resources they need uh, for Herm to be comfortable. We, um, we of course, ask, Lord, that um, uh, you'd restore Herm to full health. But if that's not your will, we, we ask that um, uh, you'd comfort him and Donna and um, give them the resources to have a, um, um, a, a peaceful next few um, weeks or months or, or even years, whatever it may be, Lord. And we just entrust them to you. We ask that your will would be done in their family. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's one Christmas carol, well, there's a, there's a couple of Christmas carols in the hymnal that we haven't sung this year. But there's one in particular that I've chosen not to sing. And that, that song is We Three Kings. We Three Kings. We're going to look this morning at the, the account of the Magi in Matthew chapter 2. And the Magi are those, those wise men who came to honor the newborn king, Jesus. And I'm, I'm excited to look at this account together, first of all, because it's really interesting. Um, there's so much speculation surrounding the Magi and so much misunderstanding as to their identity. So, so first of all, I'm just excited to, to correct some misunderstandings about them. But this passage, of course, is more than just interesting. It's also very telling about how different people respond to King Jesus when they meet him. When greeted by King Jesus, some people reject him and some people respond to him in joyful worship. So we're going to take a close look at those two responses to Jesus this morning. So let's read the passage together and then we'll pray. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, in the first 12 verses. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he said, sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray as we go to God's word. Father, we ask that you lead us to worship Christ this morning as we come to your word. By your spirit, we ask that you would open up our minds and our hearts that we might behold wonderful things in your word. Father, be at work among us. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So there's a number of common myths about the visit of the Magi. Of course, we sing, we three kings, we three kings, but these men were not kings, and we don't know how many there were. So everything's wrong, even just in the title, we three kings. We'll talk more about who they were in in a minute, but they weren't kings. This is, however, a story about kings, just not the Magi. We've got two kings in this story, baby King Jesus and ruthless King Herod. I've entitled this message, A Tale of Two Kings. And we meet these kings in the first two verses. Verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king? Of the Jews. So, this is an account about kingship. Jesus, the Messiah, the promised everlasting king from David's line, had come into the world. He was just an infant, but already he was the king. Notice how the Magi ask about his whereabouts. Verse 2 saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Not born heir, not born to one day become king, but born king. Whereas he was been born king. The king had come. And we're going to consider this morning what happens when the king arrives. And here's our big idea for this morning. We're going to see that Jesus' kingship leads some to seek him in worship and some to reject him in fear. Jesus' kingship leads some to seek him in worship and some to reject him in fear. In that way, Jesus is polarizing. When you claim the throne, some people will accept you as king, but some will buck against your authority. That's exactly what we're going to see in this account. Some seek him in worship, some reject him in fear. We'll we'll take that statement in two parts. First, Jesus' kingship leads some to seek him in worship. We see that beginning in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. My uh, English Standard and the, the King James Version translate this Greek word, magoi, as wise men. The, uh, the NIV and the NASB just transliterate the Greek. They just write magi, which is the, the Greek word underneath it. Magi doesn't mean king. 
It's actually the Greek word from which we, have, we get the English magic. These men were, were astronomer, astrologer type gentlemen, probably from Persia. We're just told that they're from the east. Um, the identity of these particular magi and their exact occupation has been lost to time. We don't know their names, although there are some names traditionally associated with these men. There's no, they don't have any names in scripture. Uh, and we don't know how many of them there were. All we know that, all we know is that in their study of the stars, they saw a star which led them to Jerusalem and which led them to believe that a king had just been born. Now, I'm, I'm inclined towards the theory that these men came from, from Persia, um, area which was once known as Babylon, and that perhaps something of the messianic promise had remained in Babylon, now Persia, when the Jews had gone into exile. Right? The Jews had been taken there into the east, uh, into exile, and it wouldn't be surprising if some of the scholars and philosophers and astronomers of that area had, had taken some of the Jews' prophetic writings and knew something about the promise of Messiah. That's just a theory. It's not in the text, but it seems to make sense. In any case, these magi came to Jerusalem following a star, convinced that the king of the Jews had been born. It's interesting to note that these men weren't Jews. They didn't belong to Israel. They didn't belong to the people of God. And yet, in his providence, God led these pagan astrologers to be some of the first people to worship the newborn king of Israel. Now, I want to be clear. This passage is not an endorsement of astrology as a way of divining knowledge. Scripture is real clear on that in other places both in forbidding astrology and all other means of divination. And while this passage doesn't endorse even tacitly astrology and other occult arts, the fact that God called these pagan astrologers to worship Christ does give us a clear reminder of who Christ came for. Jesus did not come only as the saving king of God's people, Israel. He came as the king to save the whole world. He came to reveal the heart of God first to Abraham's family and then through Abraham's family to reveal himself to the whole world. So it's, it's fitting then that God led these pagans who were a little, a little wary of, right? It's, a little, it's almost safer to call them kings. Um, than Magi. But it's, it's fitting that God led these pagans to recognize and to worship Jesus even before his own people hadn't, had got the memo. They were the, the first among many from the nations who one day would come to see that Christ is the King and the Savior, not only of Israel, but of the whole world. Jesus' kingship led these men to seek him in worship. When the Magi heard that the king had been born, they, they came. They packed up and got on the road to pay homage to him. They recognized who he was and they acted accordingly. But this account also reveals 
an opposite reaction to Jesus. The, the magi see who he is in worship, but Jesus' kingship also leads some to reject him in fear. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Herod was not happy to hear of another king on the scene. This Herod is Herod the Great. He's the greatest of the line of Herodian kings. He really was a king. That was his title. But he reigned only as a, what's called a vassal king. He had authority over the province, but he actually reported to Rome. History remembers him as a tyrant, as unscrupulous. And to be a king in this time and place, you almost had to be a paranoid tyrant. And Herod was. Again, history records that, that Herod maintained his rule by getting rid of the people who threatened him, uh, even members of his own family. He had uh, a couple of his sons killed, he also had one of his wives killed, and then that wife's parents as well. Herod was paranoid. He was so afraid that someone would steal his kingdom that he went to any length to protect it. So, how do we expect that this paranoid king will react to the news that a new king of the Jews had been born? He was troubled. That's probably an understatement. And all Jerusalem with him. Herod was troubled because he felt threatened by Jesus. Jerusalem was troubled because they felt threatened by Herod, knowing what Herod was capable of when he felt threatened. Why was Herod threatened of a mere baby, though? What, what could a baby do to the mighty Herod? Verse 4 gives us a clue. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Herod was not a Jew. He's probably not a devout student of the Jewish scriptures. But he knew enough from his time as king over the region of the Jews that they believed in a coming Christ. It's the Greek word for Messiah, which means anointed one, chosen one. The Jews believed, this is a review, we've talked about this all month, but the Jews believed that a Messiah was coming who would reign on the throne of David and restore Israel's fortunes forever. And it seems like Herod had some awareness that the promises of a Messiah might actually be true. I say that because You'll notice here that he, he actually consulted with Scripture to see where the Messiah would be born in order to send the Magi there. He, he believed that if this was the real deal, if this was the real Messiah, if a king was indeed coming to retake the throne of Israel, it would have to happen as Scripture foretold. And if the Messiah of Scripture was coming... He would be coming with awesome power and great might. If the Messiah of Scripture was coming, Herod knew he would be toast. There wasn't going to be enough room in Jerusalem for, for the both of them. If this child was Messiah, then this child would have to be disposed of. 
for Herod to keep his white-knuckled grip on the throne. So he asked the chief priests and the scribes, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? Verse 5, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's a quote from the prophet Micah, who prophesied that the messianic ruler would come from Bethlehem. So what does he do with that knowledge? Verse 7, Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. This question seems aimed at determining Jesus' age. The Magi had set out when the star first appeared, which would seem to correlate to the time of Jesus' birth. Later we find out that they'd witnessed the star no more than two years before they came to Herod. Um, we don't know exactly how old Jesus was um, when the Magi visited, but he, he wasn't a newborn. There'd been a at least a little bit of time. So our, our nativity scenes mislead us into thinking that um, the Magi were there at the same time as the shepherds. Um, but uh, the shepherds just had to sort of come down the hill into town. And the, uh, the, the Magi came probably a ways. It was at least weeks or months later. So having interrogated the Magi, Herod sent them out. Verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Of course, Herod's request here is disingenuous. Sure, you want to worship the newborn king. As events unfolded, it became clear that Herod had no intention of worshiping Christ. His intention was to kill the newborn Christ. The Magi were, in Herod's eyes, an unwitting Trojan horse sent to honestly worship and send back intel of Messiah's exact location. Herod's show of devotion was a, a ruse. His intent was to kill. Jesus' kingship leads many people to reject him in fear. Herod was threatened by the news of this baby king, and he was having none of it. And what's amazing, like we've said, is that he, it seems like he had some notion that Jesus was the real deal. His greatest fear was that it was actually all true, that he might be crushed under the feet of Messiah's coming kingdom. He was terrified. Jesus' kingship leads many people to reject him in fear. Herod's an extreme example of this principle. His extreme fear led him to extreme rejection to the point of, in the, the next verses, we see basically to the point of genocide. When the Magi didn't return to Herod with the intel he asked for, Herod had all the infants under two in Bethlehem killed. His fear drove him to madness in his drive not to be ruled by King Jesus. Again, the principle here, Jesus' kingship leads many people to reject him in fear. And again, Herod's an extreme example of this principle. Most people who reject Jesus don't deal with anywhere near that level of paranoia, nor do they take such eva extreme evasive action. 
but the principle holds. If you're holding on to the throne of your life, you will not have room for Jesus. If you will not allow yourself to submit to a higher king, to a greater lord, to a wiser master than yourself, then you will go down like Herod did with white knuckles holding on to the throne of your heart. It's universal. We recognize this impulse in ourselves. We, we like control. We want to be the kings and the queens of our own lives. We want to be the master of our own choices. We don't, we don't come out as kids naturally saying, whatever you say, mother, I am but a child. And know that in all things, it is best if I submit to your wise will for my feeble life. We, we don't come out saying that. We come out saying, I want it. He took it. Mine. No. We, we come out of the womb clinging to our thrones. And if you're not a Christian, consider that part of the reason might be your own unwillingness to let God be God over your life. Is the Herod in you clinging to your throne? Let it go. Let it go. We're not used to embracing submission, especially in this culture, because we're so used to mistrusting authorities. But Jesus is an authority worth submitting to. As painful and as fearful as it can feel, handing over the throne of your life to Jesus is the most wonderful, freeing thing you could ever do for your soul. It, fear, it feels fearful, but it's actually freeing. And I just before we move on, I want to give one quick, quick reason that's the case. Here's the reason. Jesus is a better king than you are. Jesus is a better king than you are. We get so caught up in ourselves. Pride is so insidious speaking as someone with experience here. What, what gives us the right to look in the face of Almighty God and say, I know better? Who, who, do, who do we think we are? We've got these, these puny human brains and we live a little brief snapshot life on this earth and we think we have the right to determine what this is all about and what we should all be about. As long as we try to cling to the throne of our lives, we're going to end up disappointed because we're just human. We're, we're like little kids in a lot of ways. We don't actually know what's best for us. Jesus will be a better king of your life than you are. And I know the, this is contrary to everything our culture says. Our culture says no one knows what you want better than you. So just follow your heart, right? You, you know what you want. You know what's best for you. Just follow your heart. And it's not true. First of all, God actually knows what you want better than you do. And he also knows that not all the things you want are good for you. 
Our hearts are not reliable guides. The heart is deceitful above all things, Scripture says. We're, we're not reliable kings of our own lives. Jesus is the reliable king. He made this world. And he's the architect of the human heart. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows more about you than you could begin to fathom. This is his world and we belong to him. It's actually better for us. It's freeing if we let him rule. It feels fearful, but it's actually freeing. One last illustration on this point. We think that clinging to the throne of our lives is freeing because we get to call the shots, right? I want to be free to do whatever I want to. But in doing so, we actually enslave ourselves to the whims of our own hearts. Um, it's like being on a boat out on the sea. Navigating on the high sea without a compass frees you from the bondage of maps and the cardinal directions like north and south and east and west, right? You're, you're free from all those constraints, but you'll be trapped by your own lack of direction. Probably crash into a shoal somewhere, but with a compass and a map, now you're actually freed up to sail anywhere you want to. The world can be your oyster, but you can only shuck it if you submit to the compass. In the same way, the world can be our, our oyster if we're willing to submit to the compass of the Lord and his word. There's so much joy and freedom in submitting to the king, in living like God actually is God, in living like his law actually is good, in living like his word actually is right. Jesus' kingship leads many people to reject him in fear, but there's, there's no reason to be afraid of this king. It's actually incredibly freeing to let go of the throne. Don't be like Herod. Don't be so paranoid about holding on to control. Don't be afraid of Jesus, the king. Instead, be like the Magi. Jesus' kingship, here's our second point, Jesus' kingship leads some to seek him in worship. Jesus' kingship leads some to seek him in worship, so seek Jesus and worship him. And I want to look at four things that the Magi did right that Herod couldn't seem to manage. Four things. They searched diligently, they rejoiced exceedingly, they worshipped humbly, and they gave royally. First, they searched diligently. Verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Once they found out that the king had come, even before they saw Herod, they had journeyed miles and miles to find him. They sat before kings and consulted with scribes to find out where the baby king would be born. And they followed that star wherever it led. They weren't afraid of the king. Just the opposite. They were magnetized to him. They were anxious to find him. And oh, that we had hearts like that that were anxious to be in the presence of the king. Not just, not just if you're far from Christ, like Christians. Do we have hearts that are anxious to be in the presence of our king? Do we... Do we Diligently search the scriptures until we find him there. 
Do we diligently seek him in prayer until he answers us there? Jesus is far more accessible to us than he was to the Magi. We can speak with our king at any moment of the day. Are we anxious to be in his presence? Do we search for him diligently? They searched diligently and then they rejoiced exceedingly. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. We're here. We're finally here. We found the king. They rejoiced exceedingly. This should teach us that we don't have to be afraid of Jesus' kingship, and neither do we have to be bored by his presence. The Magi were overjoyed. They were overwhelmed that they'd actually found him, that they were outside the house where glory dwelled, that they had come to be face-to-face -face with the king of the ages, the Messiah long foretold. They rejoiced even outside the door in anticipation. And friends, we can come, to face to, come face to face with him too. The gift of prayer grants us ready access to the king of kings. God has put the star in the sky, so to speak, over the house where he's agreed to meet with us. And he invites us there into his presence, into prayer, into communion with him in his word. Do we delight to meet him there? To experience the presence of the Almighty? Or are we bored by his presence? If we are, don't despair. Remember. Remember what a privilege it is to meet God in prayer and in his word. Let's, let's take the Magi as our example and rejoice exceedingly to enter the presence of our King. They searched diligently. They rejoiced exceedingly. And third, they worshiped humbly. Verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Falling down, kneeling, it's an ancient human posture of humble adoration and worship. I am not worthy to stand in your presence, you are so great. And the Magi fell at the feet of the child Jesus who was with his mother. They had been granted eyes to see that this was no mere boy. This was the king, the almighty, in his mother's arms. And while the rest of the world carried on their normal ways outside the door, inside that home, the magi saw that heaven was there. That the king had come. And they fell at his feet and worshipped. None of Herod's poisonous paranoia or fear here. Only simple, humble worship. You are the king, and we praise you. That's the alternative, isn't it? Some, some fear Jesus and reject him. Some seek him and worship him. Some cannot grasp how they could bow their knee to another. Others cannot grasp how they couldn't, because he's the king. the question, what will you do with Jesus? If you're still clinging to your throne like Herod, let it go. All can be forgiven. Many of us have spent a long 
time, many of us spent many long years early in our lives ignoring and rebelling against our God, but he's so gracious. He sent his son Jesus into the world as a great king, but also as a good king, a merciful king, a king who one day laid down his life for his rebellious people on the cross. Jesus died so that self-ruled people like us could be forgiven our rebellion against our true king. So don't fear Jesus like Herod did. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Submission to Jesus is real freedom. Go to him. Plead for his forgiveness. Throw yourself on Christ. He welcomes all who come to him. They searched diligently. They rejoiced exceedingly. They worshiped humbly. Finally, they gave royally. They gave royally. Verse, uh, second half of verse 11. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. There's all kinds of theories about what these gifts symbolize. Some of them may be right. I'm, I'm dubious. Um, but this past week I did a little bit of a word study for gold and frankincense and myrrh in the rest of the Old Testament. And gold, frankincense, and myrrh are all referred to in Scripture as lavish, beautiful things. Gold, of course, is of immense value. It's a symbol of the wealth of kings. And frankincense and myrrh are fragrant oils used for a variety of purposes. Um, often myrrh is associated with um, Christ's burial. I mean, it very well may be that's the symbolism that's going on, but, but myrrh was also just a, a fragrant, lovely oil. It's in the uh, Song of Songs, it's, it's used to depict the, the loveliness of romantic love. And so, um, in any case, these are gifts that are fit for a king. These, these gifts put the Magi's money where their mouth was. They were actually treating Jesus like a king. These are gifts he would bring to a king. They offered him what he was worth. Will, will we treat Jesus like a king? Will we, will we offer him what he's worth? He's not just worth a token offering here or there or a token obedience a couple times a week. Jesus is the king of kings and the lord of lords and we owe him everything. I'm not, not talking about money here. I'm talking about our lives we owe him everything because he made us. And if we're in him, if we've come to believe in Christ, we owe him everything because he saved us. He laid down his life for our sins. He paid our debt. Everything we have has been given to us by God. We don't deserve any of it. And the only gift worthy of our great king is our whole lives. Will we bring our lives, ourselves, our all to lay at the feet? of the king? Will we give royally? Will we give the only gift befitting a king? Verse 12, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Just as God had sovereignly orchestrated their coming to Jesus, so he sovereignly orchestrated their departure, steering them away from Herod and his sordid schemes. I think the, the call of the Magi is our call. 
As God sovereignly drew the Magi to their king, so he is still drawing people to the king. And all of us are responsible to answer the call, to follow the star, to come to Jesus, the king, to humbly worship and obey the king of kings. If you don't know Jesus, it may just be that the Lord is working in your heart today. Will you come? Will you worship at his feet? Will you rejoice to enter the presence of your Savior, to walk into the room where heaven is? He welcomes all who come. Our sins are many, but his mercy is more. I hope all of us who, who know Christ have been warned by Herod's example and encouraged by the Magi this morning. Even as Christians, we can find ourselves clinging a little too, a little too tightly to our thrones, trying to get back on there to rule again. We can sometimes grow resistant to submitting to our king in one significant area of our lives or another. Let him go. Let it go. Let him be the king. And let's be encouraged by the Magi to seek him diligently. He's, he's put a star over the place where he wants to meet us. Go to his word. Get alone in prayer. Seek him diligently. Rejoice exceedingly at the privilege that it is to know him. Worship humbly at his feet and give royally. Give him yourself. Give him your life. Give him your all. He's worth it. He's the king. And even now, Jesus is the king of the universe. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and from that seat he will one day descend to judge both the living and the dead. That includes all of us. Jesus is the king, whether we like it or not. Don't reject the good king. Don't choose to live the rest of your eternity outside the light of his presence. Don't ditch the compass. Hell is real, death is real, this is serious, but Christ is better. He's a good and a loving king who laid his life down for us, and you can trust him. Loosen your grip on your throne and seek him out and worship at his feet. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning and acknowledge that you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We praise you, we thank you, we, we confess we, we've not been as diligent in our seeking as we ought to be. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you'd invite us into your presence, that we'd follow the star, that we'd give our lives totally over to you as a, a gift befitting the king. We'd worship you with our lives. And we'd rejoice to know you and to be in your presence. We pray, Lord, as we approach the new year that we'd, we'd be newly resolved to pursue your presence. I pray, Lord, for any here who, who might be far from you, who might not know your presence in your saving name, that they might be saved, that you'd be at work in their hearts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
And Kevin's going to come up and we'll, we'll have a final hymn. Let's stand and sing 103, all hail King Jesus. And let's sing, uh, let's sing it through twice. Let's sing it through uh, the first time with the piano. And then let's sing it through the second time a cappella. Let's stand and sing. And we'll just sing the first, the first half on the, on the page. <laughs> Anyways, you know what I'm saying, right, Dottie? Not the second, we're not gonna go into that, that end part that, goes into whatever. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Then we'll sing. Then we will sing it through twice, and we'll wing it. All right. Beautiful song. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work. 